Pens Podcast. My name is Tyler Bobitz, and welcome back to the sixth Sunday of Pentecost for the week of July 1st, 2018. And guess what? We've been doing the podcast now for six months. I'm so thankful that we've been able to do this. It's been a challenge. It's been fun. I hope that you guys are enjoying it. Let me know what's been different things that you've enjoyed over the last six months with the podcast. And I'm excited on where we're going. I'm excited about some things that I could see coming in the near future. And I'm just, I'm excited with where we're going together with this. And the second thing I would like to do is our shameless plug that I always do for working preachers. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I like using them for some directions, for some commentaries. They have a great working preachers podcast to be able to get some different ideas. Also, just great material to be able to talk about faith and science or different topics that are within the church. If you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend checking out Working Preacher. And this week, what I kind of want to talk about is the science of touch. And there's a lot of really fascinating stuff with that. Now, most of that's coming this week, tying back to the gospel text. And we're going to go through the readings here in just a sec. But I'm just super excited to be able to tie some of these different things together. But just to give you a little bit of an idea of where we're going this week. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. And it's this nice little story of Jesus is with a large group of people. A man from the synagogue named Jairus comes to him and is saying, My daughter is at the point of death. If you could come and heal her. That'd be great. So they are moving toward that. And while that's happening, there's this woman who's been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years, or hemorrhages, as the text says. So that's a type of bleeding. It can be external. It can be internal. We don't have a ton of details. But 12 years of bleeding, that's impressive. Not in the good way. So she's been, you know, spent time with physicians, and it just doesn't seem to get any better. But she has the faith that if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And so she does. She touches the clothes. Jesus is like, who touched me? She fesses up. I touch you. And he comes back with, starting in verse 33, the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So then they're continuing to press on. The people are then met with the daughter is dead. If you only had come sooner, we wouldn't have had this issue. Jesus says, let me at her. Let me see what's actually going on. Brings Peter, James, and John. And they go into the house. There's people weeping when they're told that, let me see, but this child, she's only sleeping. They just put off Jesus that, no, this is not what's going on. He takes her hand and tells her, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl gets up and walks. It's mentioned that then she's about 12 years old. The crowd is amazed. And he then tells them to make sure to tell no one and to feed this girl. So that's the gospel text. Our first reading is from Lamentations chapter 3. Verses 22 through 33. And this is coming out of poetry. Lamentations is a collection of five different poems talking about how the Babylonians have taken over Jerusalem in about 580 BC. 
But we get this really hopeful little text here, talking about the steadfast love of God and that it is good for one to bear the yoke in the youth and to sit alone in the silence when the Lord has imposed it and put one's mouth in the dirt. There may yet be hope to give one's cheek to smither and to be filled with insult. Saying that just because things are bad doesn't mean that God isn't there. For the Lord will not reject forever. Verse 31. So this hopeful verse coming from Lamentations after watching Jerusalem fall. So this really interesting text talking about how we're dealing with grief and that we still have beauty that comes out of that. And that's what we also get if you have the alternative first reading, which is in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, and then also verses 17 through 27. So verse 1 is just setting the scene. It's after the death of Saul and the death of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul, who David and Jonathan end up being the closest friendship we have really in scripture. And David then gets into this text of mournful praise that things will get better, that I'm not being betrayed, that things, even though they're bad right now, things are going to get better. The psalm is Psalm 30. And again, this is the same type of theme that we're getting here. We get out of verse five, his anger is but for a dull moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but his joy comes with the morning. That things are going to turn around. Things are going to get better. We then have our second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. And talking about how the Lord, who is rich, became poor. And it could easily be a stewardship type of text. But I think it's more talking in my opinion, of the humbling of Christ and that in that he was able to be able to give and to share and to give his gifts, realizing that these are just worldly possessions and really don't mean that much, that there's other people who need it a lot more than I. And that actually ties very well into the science of touch. And so we have this healing story from Mark talking about touch. And there's some interesting research. And this week, if you have the time, I'm not going to be able to touch on all the different studies and such that have been done. I'll link a couple in the email or in the podcast section. They're really, really good this week. I'd highly recommend it. There's one talking about the neuroscience side of it. There's And there's two other ones. There's one that's a TED Talk. They kind of keep referencing a lot of the same studies. It's very interesting with what has been done with the sense of touch. But first, we have to lay down, why is this so important? Because touch is arguably our most important sense. It's our biggest organ that we're dealing with. So your epidermis, your skin is technically an organ. So it covers your whole body. It's your biggest. It has, when you are feeling something, There is so many different nerves and ways that it is feeling it. You have nerves for being able to just feel something texture. You have ones for heat. You have one for chemicals. We may process them and feel that we process them the same, but it's a huge 
neural network that we're dealing with. And out of this, there is a need to be held. So one of the studies that they've looked at coming out of the orphanages in Russia in the 80s, that newborns and up to about the age of two need to really be held, need to have physical touch for comfort, for for us to help interpret and understand the world around us. If you look at all the other senses that we have, there's a distance with them. Taste, you could maybe argue that isn't, but you know, sight, you can only get so close. Hearing, we can't see it. Again, it, if it gets too close, it's not good. It's harmful. Touch, we have to feel. We have to put our hands on it. I'm trying to move my hands around a desk, and I know you guys can't see it. We need that sensory feel to be able to feel the differences of metal to paper to plastic to a rubber band. There, all these different things. Being able to feel the sensitivity of something just being not quite smooth. That there's like a, a crease, a thin crease in something. That's all in our sensory feeling. And it helps develop major parts of us that they can see lasting effects later in life. One of the ones that blew my mind was premature births and going through three times a day and just giving them touch compared to babies who didn't get that. The child would leave the hospital on average six days sooner than the one who didn't. And they said they still had lasting impacts that they could see cognitive development and just development of them for up to eight years after that. So there's something just developmental to us about touch. One they did in the 50s that you would never be able to do now for ethics reasons. But they took a baby monkey away from its mother right after being born and put it in an area where it could choose between two mothers. One was a wire skeleton that had a bottle for food and one was a wire skeleton that had been wrapped in terry cloth. And the monkey would gravitate to the terry cloth to have that sense of touch. And these feelings coming from such an early age are developed down the line. With They did a blind study of people and told one person to who was blindfolded to, through touch, tell a person who was also blindfolded, an emotion. So love, anger, sadness. And with 75% accuracy, the person was able to tell them what emotion they were trying to convey. That's throwing body language completely out of the picture. Sense of touch. One of the ones that really struck a chord with me, I enjoy athletics I'm a sports guy. I like watching athletics. I like participating in athletics. And there was a study done in, I think it was 2009. And they looked at the NBA, so men's professional basketball, and studied how much interaction teammates had between like high fives, hugging, celebratory interaction that included touch. And looked at the first half of the NBA season. And then using that those metrics, it was more likely 
that if you did more of the physical celebratory touching, you were more likely to be successful in the second half of the season and be a better team than ones who didn't do as much. Really a weird correlation. And one of the ones that I had learned that I never knew about in pro cycling, when people are having are starting to lose it, they're hitting their wall, it's very typical for somebody to come up from behind and put one finger in the middle of their back of the person who is starting to hit that wall. And it helps them move and get their second win so that they can keep moving forward. Now, why is this so important with this gospel text? If you think about the bike rider that is struggling, you've been pedaling hard for miles and miles, and you're feeling your legs, and it feels lonely. You're all by yourself. There's no one else to blame. It's an individual sport. And suddenly someone puts a finger on your back to let you know you're not alone. That means so much. We're social creatures. We want to interact with other human beings. That's what we're designed to do, to interact with our creator, but to interact with each other to better glorify God. That little touch saying that you're not alone in this. Let's take the first woman. Been bleeding for 12 years, feeling this, where else do I turn? But she has faith that this man can help her. She finds a way to maneuver through the crowd, getting in the nooks and crannies to just touch him. If I can only touch him, if I can only have that little bit of contact, that little bit of interaction, I'll be made well. In my opinion, I think it also really metaphors really well with faith. When we're going through a dry spell, we're going through a tough situation and you feel alone, but you know that if, if I can just reach toward God, if I can just meet with this person to help me talk about faith, to get my faith going, there's the faith and they just need a little food. We get the second woman, a little girl, and it says in the text that he took her hand. So we're physically told he is grabbing to make that sensory connection, to interact with her body. The hand, there's so many different nerves that are running up and down it. Think about how much you can tell just by a handshake. For me, being raised in the upper Midwest, one of the things I'm always fascinated with is shaking the hands during service of farmers, especially old farmers. They're rough. They're tough. They're strong. You put your hand in it and I can grab as hard as I can and still feel like my hand's going to be just swallowed up by that hand. There's so much muscle, but they can still give me a firm handshake and it's not threatening. It's a firm handshake of I'm here. I'm supporting you. We're in this together. Jesus grabs her hand and tells her to get up. We get an exclamation mark there. We don't know if this is a plea. Is this a shouted command? Is Jesus in tears? It doesn't say. But that girl could feel something in just how he held her hand. You know, think about even just the Beatles song. The old Beatles song, I want to hold your hand. 
there's so much we can learn from that. We often overlook our sense of touch because it's just so common. We don't think about it. And if you watch through the links I'll have below, one of them they talk about is like product placement and trying to get products in people's hands because we like having something in our hand. We like possessing it. We want it. And there's a connection that we have with that then. We make an instant connection and we don't want to, we don't want to let it go. So that's where at times you'll end up making an impulse buy. It's one of the reasons that there's a difference between reading a book and reading something online. We're holding the physical paper. One of them, if you want to put it into a very real context that's happening, is vinyl records are hitting all-time highs with record sales. When you buy music online, you're buying digital bits, digital code that has to be put onto some other piece of hardware. You never hold it. You never see it. It's just a file in some virtual thing that we can never touch. Even if you have a touch screen, you just don't feel you can hold it. There's something different about going out and buying a vinyl record or buying a cassette tape or even a wax cylinder if you're into that. You can see on like the cylinder, the record, the, the grooves. You can feel it. Jesus is holding her hand. How much could she tell just by that handhold? How much could that woman tell just by touching him? Never says where he touched him. She touched him either. Was it the shoulder? Was it the lower back? What could she tell? Jesus stops after the first healing, to acknowledge the woman's faith. And people then are blaming him that it cost this young girl's life because of it. But he wanted to affirm her faith, affirm what she had done. He didn't want to just it to pass by. I think there's something that we can kind of get out of that to the Second Corinthians reading. Jesus is rich in power and easily could have just healed her and passed by. He probably could have healed that girl before he got there, but he didn't. He humbled himself and wanted to be more like us. Was it for emphasis? I think there's a point of that. But there was also the relationships that he wanted to develop with us. He bled like us on the cross. He felt things like us. He cried. He shouted, he pleaded with God, all sense of touch, all feeling. And that's where if you look at all these first first readings, both from David with the death of Saul and Jonathan, from the Lamentations reading with the loss of Jerusalem, with the Psalm, darkness comes for a season, no matter how long we feel that season may be, but things get better. And that sense of touch that we may feel from a friend or when you're just talking with God and you just have this sense that there's something else going on with you. The Lord wants to be a helper. The Lord wants to help us through hard times. And one of the best abilities that he gave us in that is our sense of touch. To be able to convey love, not just with with our our words, but with our touch. It's a powerful tool. It can be used for supporting us. It can be used for cheering us up. What a tool it is.
But again, like I stated, I would recommend checking out at least some of the videos down there. There's some really interesting studies with touch, but I think it's that touch, that sense of touch is so important. And I feel like it's that sense of touch that Christ is telling us in this is one of our most powerful tools. And it's easy to overlook with the miracles that he did there. So the Twitter question of the week will be twofold. What is one of your favorite things that's happened in the six months of the podcast? Or if it's your first one, what was your favorite thing about this one? I think the second question I'll put up with it is, have you ever sensed the positive power of touch? And if so, how? I'd love to hear some of those stories. So we'll wrap this up like we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.